Hello and welcome back to the Writer's Haven. I'm your host, Musu of Musu Writes. And we are back again with another great guest. But before I get to that, I just wanted to thank you guys again. If you are connected and um, subscribed and following the episodes, we really do appreciate that. It's great to see new folks that uh, come on board and take an interest in the podcast. Um, And October was super, super busy, but I'm glad to, to be back. And I hope that you guys are doing well. Um, if you are not connected with me, I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook with the same handle at Musu Writes. Um, and also you can visit MusuWrites.com and subscribe to the newsletter. That's where I do the most updates and that's where the updates start. So if you are not subscribed to the newsletter, um, definitely you can visit the website and get signed up for that. I am also going to be doing a episode dedicated to my latest project. And this is something that I've been meaning to do for the longest, but things have just been crazy on the other side of the podcast world. So um, I'm starting to catch up with everything now. So I'm excited to get started on that. Now, in the meantime, we have Dr. Sarah Jeffries as our guest on today's show. Um, She is an author, editor, writing coach, and speaker. And today we are discussing um, her different, the different types of services she offers as a writing coach. Um, She has a very interesting history. She started out in the church um, scribing for her pastor and then things just kind of took off from there very interesting journey uh she became published in 2017 with her poetry collection what enters the mouth and she has other pieces of work that she is working on she um also from time to time she uh lectures at cornell so that was fun to talk about as well so uh hope you enjoy it and as always thank you again i am i will be sharing um sarah's uh, contact information in the show notes in case you are interested in connecting with her. Hope you enjoy it. Take care and talk to you guys next time. You to the writer's haven. Um, and you know, we, we always love to, you know, meet new people, uh, especially folks who, you know, have, uh, who are in the industry, um, whether they're just starting out or they've, you know, they've, they've, uh, been around for a while. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, you have a very um, accomplished background, which I think is pretty awesome, Uh, you know, with your teaching. And then you have published a couple of books. The last one was, I believe, in 2017, correct? Yes, that's um, What Enters the Mouth. And it was published by Standing Stone Books in Syracuse, New York. Awesome. So yeah, let's start off by, you know, um, going back to the beginning of your writing journey. Where exactly did it start? You know, how did this whole um, creativity come about? That's a great question. I love that question. Um, So I think if I'd have to say where it began, um, I would say, hmm, I probably would say it began in the church. Um, I grew up in um, Southern Virginia, and I grew up in a white Episcopal church and a black Baptist church. Interesting. Um, And um, in the white Episcopal church, I was really bored. (laughs) It was very formal and proper. Yeah. And the priest would give this sermon. And so I would write down some of the words 
Um, and then, you know, now priests are men or women, but then it was men. Um, I would write down the words that he said that I thought were interesting, or I would write down a word I didn't know, or I would try to catch a sentence. So I think it really began with like being a scribe. And then I was really intrigued by the Gospels being read and the sort of stories of the Gospels, right? So my first sort of understanding of Jesus was like, is he a chef that like made all this extra bread and fish? Is he a magician? <laughs> like, who is this man, right, called Jesus doing these like magical, beautiful things? Mm-hmm. Um And so I think the way that some kids might like draw in church or... um or do something else to keep their mind focused, right. I would, in in the white Episcopal church, uh, just write everything down. And then when we got to the door, when we were supposed to shake hands, I would always be like, so, Reverend, I really want to ask you about blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I would like have all my notes on the bulletin, right? That's and they would funny. be like, you're kind of precocious for being five. And I was like, well... <laughs> I really want to know. Like, I thought we were having a dialogue, you know? Mm -hmm. So maybe the beginning of creativity came from thinking that everything was about a dialogue. In the Black Baptist Church, which I liked better, um, the music was better, and it was more, um, it just felt um, more warm and more Mm -hmm. lively and more, I felt more comfortable, even though I was the um, little white girl in the Black Baptist Church in the (laughs) South. I'm super grateful for um, my mom's, uh, how do I say boy, the half boyfriend, half best friend? My mom, yeah, half boyfriend, mm-hmm. half best friend, um, who brought us, you know, to that church and made us feel very welcome. And there, I would write down like the lyrics of the songs, hmm. right? And um, so I think because I was struck by you know the sermon and the gospel and the Book of Common Prayer in the Episcopal Church. And struck by the music and the warmth of the other church. So I sort of went to church like, you know, from like seven to two on Sunday. Um, (laughs) That that I, um, I learned very quickly to write down sentences that stayed with me. Or I learned very quickly to listen to the music of language. Um, So I know that's definitely one place where it began. I read very early. Um, my mo- so according to my mom, she sent me to uh, kindergarten when I was four um, because I was reading things around the house. Mm-hmm. Um, the other place of creativity for me that came very early was I loved the idea of rewriting a situation that had already occurred and making it go a better way. Nice. Right? Of like recreating an event and changing the outcome. Mm-hmm. Um so that, um, you know, so the girl wasn't hurt or so that um, the train didn't leave the station or whatever kind of thing, right? <laughs> um, and even when I was in, um, this is probably longer of an answer than you wanted, but even oh, no, when, I was, when I was in, um, I'm thinking about like math class in eighth grade, seventh grade, somewhere in there. I didn't really understand and I didn't really like it so much, yep. but we had these word problems. Oh gosh. Yeah. And it was like, you know, Matthew is at the train station at 5 PM and he meets Mary with five bags of potatoes and Mary wants three, but Martha wants two. And so we'd have to solve that. And instead of doing that, I would just like write a character description of Matthew. 
And then I would like write out a character description of Mary. And then I would talk about like the potatoes and the kinds of things she might make with the potatoes. So did you get any credit for that? No, I took math class a lot when I was in middle school, right? Because I knew how to look busy. I knew how to deceive. I knew how to look busy. I knew how to look like I was working. And then at the end, I would turn in like paragraphs, you know? And my math teachers would be like, Sarah, what what are you doing, right? Um, And it was because I was arrogant and didn't want to say I don't know how to solve the problem. Mm. Okay. Right. Right. And so yeah. I had to learn to say I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> I might say I'm still learning to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that that is a first. So many years later. <laughs> yeah. When I asked writers where they got their spark or their inspiration from, this mm-hmm. is the first time I've heard math in church. I have never. Mm. Um, gotten, you know, the, the, I've never heard those as responses. So, right. Well, yeah. I will tell you my, you know, my mom read to me very early and, um, you know, we had Jet Magazine on the table. We had um, Paul Lawrence Dunbar. We had Langston Hughes. We had Emily Dickinson. Um, we also had, you know, intense food insecurity and she worked very hard and the lights were not always on. So we always had books even mm. when I didn't have food. So mm. that's sort of the other place, like the reading spot, yeah, right? Absolutely. Um, because I could read myself out of poverty as a kid. Right, absolutely. So yeah, such an interesting um, response. And so <laughs> you obviously have brought this, you know, into your um, adult life and with your day to day. And can we just talk a little bit about um, how all of this has tied into your career because you have a flourishing career at um, Cornell. Um, so how do you? <laughs> that, uh, that's a funny one. So uh, <laughs> let, let me let me sort of um, adapt that one. I am super grateful to have a degree from Cornell, and yeah. I've been a visiting faculty there. Um, I'm not teaching this semester, so I don't know that I would say flourishing. Okay. I'm not tenured. Um, I've just been sort of an adjunct who's been around teaching writing mm-hmm. classes or filling in for people on their um, maternity leaves or sick leaves. I'm always grateful to teach creative writing at Cornell mm-hmm. uh, when it happens. Um, okay. But it's not happening right now. Uh, right. Uh, it's certainly sort of unraveled a bit with COVID. Um, oh, yeah. Right. Because, you know, all things got cut in the world of COVID and right. adjuncts were the first. But right. I will say that um, I run my own business, which is called Right Now, mm-hmm. and I'm an editor and a writing coach. And that's really where I work with clients on their poetry books or their novels or their memoirs. And I do workshops as well. And that's really where I would say the writing career is flourishing, if I would got you. add that word, which is a great word. Okay. <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, let's definitely talk more about that. When you are dealing with new clients, you know, um, for one, are they up and coming writers or are they more seasoned? And then two, what is the most common struggle you're coming across when dealing with your clients? Oh, that's a those are great questions. Um, Hmm. So I would say they are either up and coming writers or they have like, um, they like, they have like poems or short stories or something published, but not yet a book. Right. And the other thing I do is I work with graduate students who want to complete their dissertations. And I just want to say that 
if anyone is listening to this podcast who's working on their dissertation and is like, oh my God, I'm never going to finish this. And your dissertation is in literature or American history or education or art or dance um, or music. Uh, I would be more than happy to work with you to help you finish your dissertation. I'm really excellent at helping people who are stuck right before they need to finish. Mm -hmm. um, and for other clients who are working on poems or essays or stories or novels, I'd be happy to talk with you as well. And the one thing I would say that is the most common struggle, hmm, that's a great question. You know, one thing I've really noticed is that people are very, and maybe this is true, I don't know if this is true for you, certainly true for me, mm -hmm. people love like the beginnings of things, right? Mm -hmm. So they're very excited about, oh, I'm going to finish, the, you know, I'm going to like make this book happen and we're going to meet and we're going to work together and I'm going to do this amount of pages and this amount of days and they're going to produce and it's all going well. And then the struggle that I've seen is that somewhere about halfway, they lose steam, mm. right? And because maybe things in life have happened or maybe because writing a book is actually hard. It's not mm -hmm. easy. It's fun with me, but it is hard. Mm -hmm. Um that they kind of lose steam. It's a little bit like, you know how everyone works out in January and February and then, and then by, by March, March, people are like, nah, right. <laughs> it's exactly. still, you know, like we're, I'm up in New York and I'm like, March, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do a workout video at my house. Yeah. Like I'm not going out <laughs> in the snow. <laughs> um, so, and I'm not saying that people are unmotivated at all. I'm saying that I can almost see where, uh, you know, about halfway through, people start to get a little bit more weary. So that's a struggle. And then, of course, you know, there is the struggle of seeing themselves as a writer, seeing themselves mm -hmm. and believing that the book can actually be done. Mm -hmm. um, I don't ever guarantee publication. I work with people who have one sentence or a paragraph or an idea, and we get the whole project completed. And then I, you know, um, connect them with people who are either publishing companies or, um, if they're wanting to look for an agent, I might help them write a cover letter for that. Um, so I don't at all guarantee publication, but I do work with people to get an end product ready okay. for the market. Um, okay. And that may be, you know, poems or stories or a self-help book. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, well, if I could just jump back a little bit with the first struggle um, where they're going through the editing process with you. Yes. And halfway through, they run out of steam. Do you think it's because a lot of, especially the newer writers, they may underestimate the editing process? Because I, I can attest that, you know, that that's what happened with me. I underestimated it severely. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. What do you mean? Well, um, as far as what it takes to actually edit, you know, it's, yeah. it's not, it's very tedious. Mm -hmm. um, it's very detailed and... Um, with me, the way, you know, I was developing um, from my first draft to my current draft, a lot more needed to be pulled out of me. Um, and then, you know, a lot of discipline as far as, you know, creating the whole plot and making the story flow make sense. Mm -hmm. Learning a whole bunch of new terminology along the way that I did not know yeah. <laughs> as far as the literature goes. So things like that, I think um, going into the game, you know, you don't realize how involved it can be. Yes. Yeah. I would agree with you that it's this realization that editing takes time and that editing takes energy and that editing takes precision. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I 
think our brains speak faster than our mouths and our hands. And I really like helping people align the writer in their head with the writer in the mouth with the writer in their hands. Mm -hmm. And editing is a part of that process, you know, is what I wanted to say, what is actually the sentence on the page? Mm. No. Okay, how can I get what I'm thinking, what I'm wanting to say to be the actual sentence on the page? Well, if I change this word out, do I replace it with this one? Or do I think about a list of words mm -hmm. that might work, right? Because so much of writing is revision to see again, to mm -hmm. see anew, to see it differently. It takes time and energy and it also takes discipline and it also takes attention. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not something that you can do and do something else at the same time. Right. It's not meant for multitasking. Um, it requires close attention, mm -hmm. which is probably one of the reasons that I love it so much. Right. Because it has a, um, a deep, a deep focus to it. Yeah. Right. Because then when the sentence is beautiful, when the sentence is amazing, you're like, ah, oh, that's what I wanted to say. Right. right. Like the payoff of right. a beautiful sentence. Uh, is really lovely. Mm -hmm, exactly. Uh, the other thing I think is that people, um, that writing takes a commitment, right? And that lots of people are committed to many different things. Mm -hmm. And so they, maybe they underestimate the commitment, but I will say that most, even the clients who have struggled a little bit midway, uh, also, uh, pull out of that struggle. Right. Yes. Um, and pull from that struggle and come right back to the book to finish strong. Right. Um, but I would say there's a hump in the middle, right? Where some people quit and put the book back in the drawer. That's right. That's right. Um, so much of it is about believing that you have something to say mm -hmm. and believing that people want to hear it. And, you know, your book could be a lifeline for someone else. Right. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, there's so much to that. Um, and you hit it right on the head because you, everyone reaches a point where they're just like, okay, should I continue pursuing this? You know, because it's just been one rejection letter after another, or, right. you know, not making the connections yes. that you thought you would make. And yes. yeah, at some point you're just like, oh, maybe I should just put this off to the side for now and focus on other things. You yeah. Know? And sometimes we need to do that, but maybe we need to do that for like 10 days or five days mm. or one day, uh, not permanently, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Like maybe we need to give ourselves a deadline of saying, okay, I'm going to put this uh, on the back burner for two days and then I'm going to come back to it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That, that, that Some, sounds like a pretty fair timeline, the five, five days, two yeah. days, 10 days. Yeah. Exactly. Sometimes we need space, but not a whole state of mm -hmm. distance, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, exactly. And so with all of the experience that you've had, um, you're, you've been published. Um, now, have you done any independent publishing? I haven't. Um, oh, okay. I have, I have the poems that are in journals and the poetry books and stories that are in journals and essays that are in journals or magazines. Mm -hmm. um, but I haven't done any independent um, publishing. So what are your um, thoughts? And that's really... Uh, I'm sorry, I was going to say, what are your thoughts on being an agent, a literary agent? Have you thought about that? 
I have. That's a great question. I have um, thought it would be super fun mm -hmm. um, because then you could talk to a bunch of different people and you'd get paid to read. Yeah. Right. And reading to me is like the best, mm -hmm. you know, like reading is the best. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, um, I don't know if you've read this book. Uh, recently, I read this book. It's like ridiculous. It's called uh, Field Study by Shatala Sabris. I have not. Sabri, sorry. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's this like cross-cultural study. Um, of a black woman who's dating a white man and the relationship between them and how they're seen or not seen. Um, mm -hmm. And she is at Bucknell. Um, so that was amazing. And then I'm reading um, Radical Acceptance, mm -hmm. um, a book about having deep compassion. Um, and I still read scripture, of course. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have on my I have on my desk, write the vision, make it plain. Um, so yeah. that they who That's need to read it. Right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> I, I yeah. that's a scripture that I hold on to mm -hmm. um, because there are rejections. Like, that's the thing about being a writer. It's really like, are you going to have, are you going to wrestle with your relationship to rejection or right. are you going to take it personally? Right. Exactly. And yeah, that, that's, that's something that a lot of us learn along the way. It's, it's not personal. Um, yeah you know, you just have to keep going and, yes. you know, and, you know, I'll, I'll say, as we were discussing, you know, before we um, started the actual program, uh, you know, finding other things to do, like to kind of like keep you occupied and keep those creative juices flowing at the same time is really helpful. It um, is. Instead of just focusing on this one project that you want someone to pick up, you know, and you still haven't found that right person yet, you know, that can be draining and discouraging. So run off and let your brain exercise other, in other ways. In the yeah, meantime. I would agree. Agree. Especially like other creative ways, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm not very good at drawing, but I kind of like making collages mm -hmm. and I love cooking and I love dancing. Like okay. dancing is definitely a way. <laughs> and um, over COVID, I became a yoga teacher. Nice. Uh, so for me, I need to do something physical, mm. you know, and when I'm feeling like rejected or frustrated or like, what is it that I'm trying to do? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. And the other thing I was thinking about too is, um, Sometimes I feel like the agent thing is like, did they have coffee that morning? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, um, elaborate. <laughs> uh, okay. So, you know, okay. So I've written a novel. Mm -hmm. I've tried to find an agent for it. I haven't yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, the agents who have read it have said, I love the first 50 pages, page 53, not so much. So I worked on page 53. Right. And then, um, some other agents have read the whole thing and said, okay, thank you. Not for me. Yeah. Right. And do they say, thank you. Not for me because there's a woman who has, um, uh, there's a teenage girl who's pregnant in it. Do they mm. say, thank you. Not for me because there's, um, an abuse narrative in it. Do they right. say, thank you. Not for me because it critiques, uh, the Episcopal church, right? Like yeah. maybe, but maybe they just didn't have coffee. And they don't want to read a first person 
narrative yeah. of a young adult who yeah. speaks her mind. Well, see, all the more reason why you should become an agent. But no, <laughs> you know, and, and I, I do mean that. But I like how you pointed out, you know, writing about when people have written about sensitive topics or things that may be taboo. That yes. needs to be out there. You know, when you think of the Toni Morrisons and, and the Alice Walkers, they went there. Yes. And look how much of a platform that they have. So yes. Yes. I don't know. I don't understand why, because I've seen that too, where they get nervous or they cringe or they don't want to touch certain topics that they see in front of them. Yes. Yes. You know, it's, there needs to be an outlet for that. Yes. And oftentimes... Um, I, no, I totally agree. I was just thinking that oftentimes it's about finding the agent who has already published something that's close to what you wrote. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that you can say like, Hey, I know that you published the sun does shine. Mm -hmm. Uh, and because you anchored that book, my book is like that. That still mm -hmm. doesn't mean that they're going to read it or say yes, but it, it's like a little bit closer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, that, makes, that makes perfect sense. And, you know, it is, it's kind of tricky to find those types of agents, I have to say. Yes. Did, did you have tips on that? Did you have advice that you wanted to share? Um, anytime I read a book that I love and they thank their agent in the back, yeah. I just make a list of like that agent and that book mm -hmm. and that agent company. And so then if I'm going to approach the agent, I might do it that way. Yeah. Um, so I try to see like, well, what are the writers who have written stuff that I really love? That's a similar style. Mm -hmm. Um, and who are they think whose agents are they thinking, you know, right. which agents are they thinking? Right. Even though you can then go on the agent webpage and they'll say like, I'm not accepting things right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I mean, I really, um, I'm really driven and I want one of the five houses to pick up the novel, mm. right? Like I don't, I don't necessarily just want to publish the novel myself. Mm -hmm. um, but that's also because um, I want a publicist and a marketing person already put together. So even if it was like a small literary press, mm -hmm. I would be game for that exactly. or a university press, right? Mm -hmm. Because my colleagues in universities will not usually teach an independent publishing text yeah right so gotcha. an, in, an independent book they're not a vanity press they're not necessarily going to teach it and mm -hmm. I, like i want the novel taught mm -hmm. right so that's yep. that's the driven part of me um yeah, absolutely okay even though i think that's ridiculous and when i did teach at cornell i sometimes taught independent press you know independent presses or um university presses mm -hmm. absolutely um Sometimes I also think it's about, right, like it's September, right? So are the agents, like, is this, I sometimes think like, this is a really good time to query an agent now mm -hmm. because they've just come back from the summer and they don't have a bunch of things where like yeah. December is a really bad time because they've been reading for months. Right. Right. And like January is a really good time because they've just come back from vacation. So mm -hmm. I sometimes think it's timing, right? Yeah. Um, of not just of their coffee, but timing of the year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and so we can also look at um, what you're currently doing. I, you know, you just mentioned, you know, the novel that you're shopping, but what other projects are you working on? Um, what can we expect um, to hear from you as far as, you know, 
that's such a great yeah that's a great question um so let's see my first book was forgetting the salt my second poetry book was what enters the mouth i have a third poetry book that i'm trying to shop that's finished called after marriage that sort of talks about what happens after divorce and um how women it's just a bunch of like wild poems about dating and love after divorce okay. right <laughs> um so that sort of like strange space after divorce where you're trying to figure out like what am i doing and um am I looking for someone and am I going to be on my own and what does that mean to be on my own and um you know what does it mean to be dating at the age of 40 right like mm -hmm. this is not where I thought I was going to be this is not right? right that kind of thing you know no one expects to get divorced and mm -hmm. um my divorce was a gift so I'm super grateful for that mm -hmm. right um but I didn't then figure out or know how I would begin dating mm -hmm. after that. Mm -hmm. um, so, and also, right, like I have two girls, right? So uh, dating, they're teenagers now, but mm -hmm. you know, um, that's complicated in itself, right? Because right. I don't introduce anyone to them until they're serious and dating after divorce, no one was serious. So <laughs> 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 like, let's be real. Right. Um, and, you know, after my divorce, I didn't date anyone for a year and okay. a half. I just was like, I'm going to figure out what went wrong. Okay. Right? You know, so it's a book about um, how love can go wrong and then how it can go right again. Yeah. And then how it can go wrong again. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and it's possible. also, yeah, it's also a book that really looks at um, how past relationships of love can impact current ones. Mm. Right. So you can say, like, I've forgiven this person. I've released them. I've let them go. I know they were not good for me. I know it was not an alignment. I know the relationship was complete. All of that's still true. And then you can enter something else and be like, huh, they do that better than this person. Mm. Or why don't they do? Right. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I believe we teach people how to treat us. And that's one of the things I learned in the divorce. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Um, and then after that, um, I'm super excited about another project, but it's a little bit early to speak on. Um, okay. But it's but it's a, another poetry book. And then um, the other thing I was going to say that I've been been working on that's like not finished is um, just essays about uh, mothering, being a solo mama in a pandemic. Mm. Right. Because, you know, this pandemic is crazy. Right. It's, not easy. Not an easy thing. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> right. And I have two teenage girls. Um, my ex ended up um, dying, sadly, after oh, the divorce. Of, it's OK. Uh, people die. And uh, it was years ago. Um, uh, but that means I'm like really a solo mom. Right. Mm -hmm. Like completely responsible solo mm -hmm. mom. And completely responsible and creative go together, but sometimes they're hard together. Right. 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 Because um, creative means playful and creative means open and creative means spacious. Yes. It also means disciplined and focused and attentive. Right. But it does mean open and there are bills to pay. 
and food to feed the teenagers and they need to be picked up and right yeah. <laughs> so there is always that balance of um am i mama am i editor am i writer mm. right i'm super grateful to be all three mm-hmm. super super grateful to be all three um but i often have to write the vision and make it plain yeah it, <laughs> right? exactly keep you on track keep you in keep you yeah. uh, your sanity in check you know yes wow. yes and it's not um yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's hard enough to be a mama, mm-hmm. and then it's you add a pandemic on top of that, and you're right. like, oh my god, I kept them alive. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Um, well, no, th- that's that's a lot of wonderful insight. Um, so, with folks that are listening and they want to, you know, check you out or find out more about you and your work, how can they get in contact with you? Yes. So you can find me at www.sarahjeffress.com. And that's S-A-R-A-H-J-E-F-F-E-R-I-S.com. You can send me an email at sarah at sarahjeffress.com. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Clubhouse. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. Um, Those are the best sort of places to find me. And again, I would be happy to talk with anyone. Um, my Instagram is drjeffress.rightnow because the name of the business is Right Now because I believe we should all be writing mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And because we only have now, like if anything I learned in divorce and death is that tomorrow is not guaranteed. Absolutely. Um, and that we have now. So when people say, I think I'll write in the future when I have time, I would say make time. Right. I would say find time, even if it's 20 minutes, like in my case, while you're waiting for like, you know, the kid at the guitar lesson. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get them um, in where you can. Get them in where you can. Yeah. I mean, I should probably be doing like squats while I'm writing. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, Easier said than done, but okay. seriously. But um, so, yeah, Dr. Jeffress dot right now is on Instagram and Sarah Jeffress dot com. And I'd be happy to talk with people about their book projects, uh, even if they haven't written anything. Right. Because I work as a writing coach and an editor. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I do workshops on using writing as a healing modality for survivors of sexual assault. Wow. And it's been a pleasure talking to you. Yes. Thank you so much, Sarah. Um, so, yeah, there are definitely a couple of, you know, things that will excuse me talk about offline but i do